calendar. But I want to start with a little illustration um, this morning. There was a, uh, a lady, uh, this is around the time of the year when, you know, you drop hints what you might like for Christmas. And so a lady was telling her husband that she had a dream. And she dreamt that he bought her a diamond necklace for Christmas. And so the husband responded very positively to her dream. And he brought her a beautifully wrapped gift. And so as she eagerly tore the wrapping to see this diamond necklace, all she found was a little book. And the book was entitled, How to Interpret Your Dreams. And every one of us has a dream or maybe we had a dream. And as we talk this morning about hope, the gift of hope, oftentimes it's accompanied with a dream. And uh, I'm sure you've probably seen the TV classic of Charlie Brown's Christmas. It's been airing since 1965. It's a pretty good run, especially for a cartoon that was produced on a low budget and was basically a last-minute production schedule for animation. It all came about, I'm told, when Coca-Cola came looking for a Christmas special to sponsor for holiday marketing. The cartoon Peanuts was wildly popular, so they asked for a meeting and ideas. Peanuts creator Charles Schultz and the producers threw together an outline in a day. And the Coke executives went for it. Schultz had some unorthodox ideas like a jazz soundtrack and a no-laugh track, which was a staple of TV shows in that era. Most of all, he was adamant that the true Christmas story be presented, complete with a scene read straight from the Bible. The TV producers worried that it would be too controversial to read the Bible on national television, but Schultz insisted. Controversial or not, you could say that show has done pretty well running since 1965. And you've probably seen it a time or two yourself. If so, you know that Charlie Brown is surrounded by all the trappings of Christmas, but they all come up empty. And he begins to wonder about what Christmas is really about, and his best friend Linus, how many remember Linus? His best friend Linus sets him straight with a clear answer, straight from Luke chapter 2, verse 8. And Linus begins to recite the passage in one of the most poignant scenes in television history, and was reading from the King James language, and there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord." This shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. In those words, Charlie finds hope. It's where the whole Christmas experience turns for him, and good old Chuck realizes the true meaning of Christmas. He goes from depressed by the season to inspired by it. He goes from an inward focus of questioning to an outward focus of sharing the season with others. 
Today I want to invite you to hear the same words of hope as we enter the season of Advent in expectation for Christmas. And over the next four weeks, we want to unwrap the gifts of Christmas as we journey through this Advent season. It's our chance to listen to the stories, to remember the true meaning of Christmas, to wait in expectation for the arrival of Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world. And the point is not to get rid of the trappings and traditions and celebrations all around us, but to take a very purposeful journey through them to more deeply experience the gifts of Christmas, hope, love, peace, and joy. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this day. I thank you for this season. Even though it's not always a joyous and happy, good memories season for a lot of people, for many it's filled with sadness and loss and grief and what could have been, what might have been. And Lord, even as many this year are facing perhaps a downturn, a loss of a job or an opportunity, some circumstance situation, help us to focus on the purpose and meaning behind this season. As we look at the gift of hope today, I pray that hope would find its way one more time into the forefront of our lives and our thinking, our emotions, and our practice. I ask this in Jesus' name as you help us to share. Amen. Amen. Entering Advent. So what actually is Advent? Some of you may come from a tradition where you would have the the wreath, and I tried to find one, but I, I wasn't able to find one, a wreath with candles in it, and the different candle is lit each Sunday of the Sundays of Advent, culminating with the final candle on Christmas Eve and Christmas Day. You may only know Advent from a calendar with little windows that open up revealing a gift or a treat for each day of the month leading up to Christmas, but Advent is so much more. You see, the word Advent really means coming or arrival. It's the season and is marked by expectation and waiting and anticipation and longing. Advent is not just an extension of Christmas. It's a season that links the past, the present, and the future. And Advent offers us an opportunity to share in the ancient longing for the coming of the Messiah. To celebrate his birth. To be alert for his second coming. And so Advent looks back upon Christ's coming in celebration. While at the same time looking forward in eager anticipation to the coming of Christ's kingdom when he returns for his people. Hope fulfilled in Jesus Christ. And hope still to be completed in his return. And during Advent, we wait for both, an active and assured waiting. As part of the church calendar in many denominations, there are some differences in the way people celebrate Advent. While the core is the same, some of the traditions and practices vary. And one of the common traditions and practices is, as I mentioned, lighting of the candles on an Advent wreath. And so we read in Isaiah chapter 9 verse 6, because that whole tradition represents this, and the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. And Jesus' coming represents this light that came into a dark world. Now, in a season that is often marked by frenzied busyness, Advent is an opportunity to set aside time to prepare our hearts and help us to place our focus on a far greater story 
than our own. The story of Christ's redeeming love for our world. It's not a season of pretending or covering over. It's a season of digging deep into the reality of what it means that God sent his son into the world. It's, it's a season of expectation. It's a season of preparation. An opportunity to align ourselves with God's presence, C-E at the end, more than just a hectic season of presence with a T-S at the end. So wherever you are in your own spiritual journey, I invite you into this season. It's a time that allows for questions and doubts and struggles as we take time to prepare our hearts for Christ's coming. Rather simply, Advent is a celebration that God comes. In the darkness, in the pain, in the chaos, he comes and he makes a way. And as we unwrap each gift of Christmas over the next few weeks, my hope is that we discover together that we can trust in Emmanuel, God with us. We can trust in him. He's bigger than our greatest expectations or our deepest pain. His light shines in the darkness and bids us to draw near. And as we do, we discover and realize the gifts he brings, but oh, so much more, we discover him. We discover who he is. The first Sunday of Advent, we want to focus on hope. And so let's start by looking at what we mean by hope. What statements do you typically hear people make that involve hope? It's like, I hope it doesn't snow, or I hope it does snow, whichever your skiing preference might be. I hope I get the job. I hope the world will be at peace. I hope he or she gets better. I hope they show up. I hope and you fill in the blank. Did you notice there's a theme? Worldly hope is characterized by doubt, uncertainty, and a lack of control. We hope for things that may or may not happen. But in Jesus, I want to tell you, hope is a guarantee. It is a sure thing. There's no doubt. There's no cloud. There's no shadow. Our hope is actually a no-so rather than a maybe-so. I remember when I was younger, very young, in fact, growing up in church, and Wes pulled up this old hymn. Well, we used to sing an old hymn in church, and it was called, Since Jesus Came Into My Heart. How many remember that song? Anyway, a few of us. How many don't know that song? It is amazing how deprived some of you are of a huge spiritual history in some of these great songs. But anyway, you know the truth of it, right? Since he has given our heart when you accepted Christ. But anyway, uh, I mean, music changes, and that's, that's fine. But So we used to sing this song, and I remember being interested by one particular line that goes like this. I'm possessed of a hope that is steadfast and sure since Jesus came into my heart. And no dark clouds of doubt now my pathway obscure since Jesus came into my heart. And it goes on. But the line there was, I'm possessed of a hope. Now I know there's some people who are possessed of a lot of things maybe. But I didn't really realize until later as I began to experience my life in Christ that how can you be possessed of a hope? Is that bad grammar? I mean, you can possess hope, but how does hope 
possess you. And then I began to realize the more and more I grew in my faith in Christ that, yes, I can be possessed because this Christian hope is not merely a wishful thinking without any foundation that we're clutching onto. It is a sure expectation that actually takes hold of us. It's true. A hope possesses us, a biblical hope, a confident expectation based on solid certainty. It rests on God's sure promise. In the New Testament, the Christian's great hope particularly relates to the return of Jesus Christ. And as believers, then, there's this hope that possesses us. You try and convince a believer in Jesus Christ that they are not going to heaven. I don't know a believer in Jesus Christ who's accepted Christ, repented of the sin, got forgiveness of their sin, been washed by the blood of Jesus, filled with the Holy Spirit, who still would say, I think I'm going to make it. Friend, if you only think you're going to make it, you need to once more begin to read the word. And the scripture says, these things are written that ye may know that you have eternal life. Not just think, or not just have a worldly type negative hope that you might make it, like I hope it may snow or not snow, whatever. There is an assurance that we have. There is a hope that possesses the believer that we know, that we know, that we know we're going to heaven when we die or if we don't die before. And there is a hope that we have because the person who embodies hope lives inside of the believer. And you can't get away from it because he's hope. Now let's think for a moment about hope past. What is the longest you've waited for something? Now for many of us when we were young and, you know, it seemed like from the moment, you know, the Christmas decorations started going out. And when I was a kid, we used to get the Sears Christmas catalog in the mail. How many were getting a Sears Christmas catalog? Those were... We had catalogs back then, too, because back then you didn't have indoor plumbing. You had the outhouse, right? And so these became a dual purpose. Um, Never mind the vivid description. But anyway, we'd get these Christmas catalogs. And so as kids, we would kind of turn the page over and circle things in the catalog and leave it where our parents would see it. Did it work? Sometimes, sometimes not. But it seemed like a long time when you're waiting for Christmas Eve, and as tradition, we always open our gifts on Christmas Eve, and uh, because that's the biblical way to do it. <clears throat> and as Scandinavians, that was just our tradition. We we opened our gifts Christmas Eve, and um, then we could sleep in Christmas morning, and and whatever happened, and and we can get up and if we had toys, play with them, and we wouldn't disturb our parents too much. But anyway. I don't totally know the reason why, but we did it Christmas Eve. But waiting for that. And oftentimes my dad worked and worked shift work, so he got get home late. We're waiting and waiting for him to get home. Is there anything you've been waiting for for your entire life? Just waiting and waiting. Friends, the people of Israel, they knew all about waiting. Their entire history was marked by Waiting. As they look forward to the coming of a Messiah who would set them free. The Old Testament is full of prophecies about this Messiah. Isaiah chapter 7 verse 14 is one example. Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son. 
and we'll call him Emmanuel. Another well-known prophecy in Isaiah 9.6, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given. The government will be on his shoulders, and he'll be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. These and other prophecies gave clear indication of the expectation of God's promised Messiah, hundreds of years before the arrival of the Messiah. The promise didn't always make the waiting easy. And as we prepare for Christ's coming this Christmas, we share in the waiting of the people of Israel like them. Most of us have situations and circumstances of our own lives that make it difficult for us to wait on God. And like them, we still wait for the complete fulfillment of God's salvation to the world. Many prophecies were fulfilled in Christ's coming, but others are yet to be completed when he comes again. So what can purposeful waiting this Advent season do for us? Now we know that Christ came, he was born as a child in Bethlehem, and we we all know that story. So as we look back on hope past, we gain confidence and renew our faith in God's promises to us. Hebrews chapter 11, 1 says, Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. We can find confidence in the fulfillment of Christ's arrival and in all that he's done in our lives over time, but we can also find assurance that there's much more to come, that God will complete his good work in you. He who began a good work, Scripture says, will complete it. Amen? He didn't, he doesn't, there and gone off the scene somewhere, and he will fulfill his promises to make all things new and complete everything in the end. And so let this season be a journey of building confident hope as you wait for his coming, as we wait for that anticipation of when he will come and return again for his bride. Here's the hope pass so we, we can gain a lot of confidence and assurance and, and uh, expectation because he's fulfilled so many of his promises, fulfilled promises in your life and in mine. But there's also hope that's present. In the first chapter of the Gospel of Luke, we see Christ's birth foretold again. And unlike the Old Testament prophecies, this is much more personal and imminent foretelling. The angel Gabriel appears to Mary and tells her about the coming of Jesus and says there in Luke chapter 1, In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, you found favor with God. You'll conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great, be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary, asked the angel, since I'm a virgin? The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. I'm the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. And the angel left her. In the midst of life's questions, do you ever find yourself wishing that Gabriel would just show up and let you know what to expect? Just kind of, I mean... Wouldn't it be easier to just know? Well, maybe. In Mary's case, perhaps it would have been easier not to know. 
What do you do with information like this? Mary was given a direct message from the angel Gabriel, but even then it took faith to place her trust and hope in God. And thankfully, Mary responded in faith and held fast to the hope of the promise of Emmanuel, God with us. And thinking about this message, it struck me about how many times dreams and visions are mentioned around this great event. We talked about your dream and and envisioned somewhat last week and mentioned it in passing. But I believe that this message will give hope to people at Christmas time. David Wilkerson once said, never underestimate the power of a dream. Never underestimate the power of a dream. Whether it's a dream of assurance when the angel and, and both Joseph and Mary had a dream assuring them that this event was something from God. Whether it's a dream of assurance like Joseph had, or a dream of warning like he had to flee to another country, or a dream of guidance that it was okay now to come back from that country, or a dream of miraculous vision that Elizabeth had. So many dreams, and and I want to say, God, restore to us again the dream of hope, the dream that you have for our life, the dream that you've given us, that we've been waiting and waiting. Lord, restore again the hope of a dream. Every one of us probably has something we've been waiting for for a long time. I'm no different from you. And sometimes time has a way of robbing from us the feeling of expectancy and excitement and of that which God shows us and told us so long ago. Maybe God gave you a dream or a vision or a revelation out of his word for a family member to come to faith in Jesus Christ, and you've been waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting. And sometimes in the waiting, we go through those periods of maybe doubt, and then we come back to believing, and and something occurs, oh, man, this is not going to happen. And it might be that, or it might be some other dream or revelation God gave you. And friends, waiting, waiting is hard work. Waiting is difficult. It's tough. Somebody said this, and I think it's so true. The day of miracles is not past because the God of miracles is still present. The day of miracles is not past because the God of miracles is still present. And so, really what we have to take from this is, God can fulfill a dream for you this Christmas Eve. My prayer is, oh God, let hope so rise in us that you will fulfill a dream in our lives this Christmas season. Let this be not just expectancy. Let it be the fulfillment of the dream you've given us, even as it was a fulfillment that you gave and promised to the nation of Israel and to the entire world of a Savior who will be born, whose name is Jesus Christ. Today, as we begin Advent, we know and we hold fast to that hope. Jesus has come and made a way for us to be one, of, one with God. Through his forgiveness of our sin, his coming changes everything. As we sit here today... The present hope that we hold on to may not seem to be changing things. Our heart and mind at times is so flooded with the concerns and stresses and hardships we face. And any signs of change in our circumstances may be slim to none. That doesn't mean change isn't happening. Just because we can't see it doesn't mean God isn't working behind the scenes inside other people or other situations. It doesn't mean he isn't working inside our hearts to teach and to shape us. And regardless of what outward results look like at any given moment, we can find hope 
in the words of Hebrews 6.19, we have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. Our present hope in Jesus doesn't stop the storms of life. It doesn't change the immediate situation we face. But like an anchor holds a ship steady against the wind and the waves, our hope holds us firm and secure in the midst of the storms of life. And let the season be one of secure hope in the midst of whatever storm you face. Because friends, probably every person in this room is facing some kind of a storm in your life today. Whatever it might be. But there's also hope future. While our focus leading up to Christmas is naturally on the birth of Jesus and his arrival in our world, Advent is also about the future. It's not just about preparing our hearts for Christmas, and all, but also about preparing our hearts for when Christ returns. You may find that waiting patiently for the second coming of Jesus is even harder than waiting for Christmas. Like, Lord, when are you going to fix all this? When are you going to... Sometimes the skeptics' voices are much louder than the church. We long for a time when all be made new. We experience the pain and the suffering of today and wait in eager hope for the future. And that's where our hope lies. That the baby who was born in the stable in Bethlehem will return again and complete the work of God in our world. And so we wait, placing our hope in him for the past, the present, and the future. It's the bigger picture of our faith and of God's plans for his people. Paul said this in Romans, For in this hope we were saved. But hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. I don't know about you, but it's hard to be patient. It's hard to wait. Whether you're in a lineup in the store, or whether you're trying to buy fuel at Costco, or you're standing in the line at Costco and you're looking for the shortest till, so you run to the shortest till, and it takes the longest time. Or you have an appointment at the doctor's office and so you get there early and you wait and they never seem to be on time. You're always waiting. Wait, 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 wait. Waiting for this, waiting for that. You're going to get your kids and they said that youth is going to be over at 10 and it's not over at 10 and you're waiting in the parking lot. Waiting, waiting, waiting. Always seem to be. I don't know how, somebody once estimated the amount of time we spend in our life just Waiting. Sometimes it's hard to wait. I I want to encourage us this morning to lean in and unwrap the gift of hope today. No matter what the department stores try to tell you, Christmas has not yet arrived. Even though it seemed like they were just putting all the Halloween candy on sale and out were coming the trees and all the trappings. Friends, it hasn't yet arrived. This is Advent, a season of preparation, waiting, expectation. There's value as well as excitement in patient and expectant waiting. May this be a season of wonder as we discover the gifts Jesus offers to us this Christmas. Hope, love, joy, and peace. And my prayer is that, God, I'm so grateful and thankful for this season of Advent where we can unwrap your gifts of hope and 
and help us to remember hope past and hope present and hold tightly to the hope in our, in our present reality and our future. Wait with expectation for hope to be fulfilled when you return again. Friends, we have the most amazing, powerful, life-transforming, changing message that the world would ever hear. If we will share it. We have the greatest hope going. We have a hope that no one can take away. We have a reward that no one can remove. It cannot be taken back from us. We have a, we have a future that is secure and built on the foundation of the person of Jesus Christ. And we have a hope to share. And it is our responsibility and privilege to share that hope this season. We can instill and bring hope to people in our world. Do you have the hope? Is there a hope that is firm and secure in your life? Romans chapter 15, verse 12 is a great, verse 13, a couple of great verses. And again, Isaiah says, The root of Jesse will spring up, talking about Christ, one who will arise to rule over the nations. Now notice this. In him, talking of Christ, the Gentiles will hope. In him, the Gentiles will hope. May the God of hope, now this is an interesting little phrase here. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Now here's a great commissioning service for the body of Christ on what to do with the hope that we have within us. Friends, in him, in Christ, the Gentiles will hope. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow. And the word there for overflow is to abound or to superabound, to have in excess. He wants this hope in our lives to overflow so that it pours out of our lives and affects others. And the hope we have in Jesus should be contagious. It should be. When we go around, we shouldn't be looking like our lower lip. We've been sucking lemons all week, and we can play a sax without the instrument. I'm telling you, there is a hope that we have in Jesus Christ that should be contagious to those around, especially this time of year. Friend, you have a hope, amen, that is steadfast and sure, and it's founded on Jesus Christ. When it says there, may the God of hope, it's an interesting Um, construction there because it really is may the God of the hope may the God of capital T, capital H, capital E the hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him and friends the hope that we have in Christ isn't when it says fill you with joy and peace isn't a joy and peace that can be taken away when circumstances change Our hope remains our hope regardless of the storm and everything happening around us. Who is or who isn't elected in politics? Our hope is not on a politician. Our hope is in Jesus Christ. And there's an expectation that we have at this season once again to expect him to so flow through our lives that the hope we have in Christ will affect people around us because, friends, you all know somebody who needs hope.
Scripture says hope deferred makes the heart sick. There's a hope we all have. And I pray, oh God, please, let the gift of hope, Jesus Christ, be contagious in our life at this season. Will you bow your heads? Father, I thank you for this amazing season, although for many it's busy, it's so many other things and memories and things associated with it that seem to cloud the sense of expectancy, waiting, anticipation, are not just remembering when you came as a child or a baby, but the promise of your return again. The hope that we have that is steadfast and sure, it's what our life is built on. It's the foundation of who we are. I pray, God, that this gift of hope will be one that is opened through our life and in our life in an amazing way during this season. Friends, as we're here this morning, and I'm not going to be naive enough not to know that it's, it's a difficult season for some. And I don't want to make light of it. I don't want to diminish that. For some, it's difficult. It's hard. It's tough. And every one of us can think of things that are hard and difficult and tough at any given time of the year. But when we think of everything that is given and promised to us in a relationship with Jesus Christ, we have hope. Even though at times we're overcome with certain emotions and grief and painful memories, there's this underlying hope no one can take away from us because it's all found in the person and relationship we have in Jesus Christ. And maybe you're here this morning, friend, and for whatever reason in your life, maybe you don't have that undergirding foundation of Jesus Christ. You can begin perhaps the most exciting Christmas season of your life right this morning by saying, Jesus, will you come and fill my life with your presence and remove all the guilt and the shame and the condemnation of my sin and the weight that I carry. And I want to turn from that and ask you to forgive me. I need hope. I need you, Jesus. I need to have something more than what the world seems to offer. I need you, Jesus. And whether it's to invite Christ into your life or to renew your relationship with Jesus Christ or just to once again restore the hope that he comes to give you and I in our life this season. And you might be just saying, Lord, thanks for the reminder. May I not forget through this season as I look with anticipation and expectation, help me to be a carrier of hope to those around me. Wherever you might be in that prayer this morning, and you'd say, Pastor, would you pray for me as you conclude today? I'm in there under one of those categories, and I need your prayer. Anybody, just hand up, hand down real quick. Anything to do with the subject. Maybe you need Jesus Christ. Maybe you just need more hope in your life. Thank you. You may put it down. Appreciate it. Thank you.
God is our God of hope. And I challenge every one of us here that we would be carriers of hope. And may the hope within us be contagious. Father, I thank you. You speak to all of our hearts differently, different ways, different measures, but you speak. May this season of Christmas and the gifts of Christmas, may they be evident in our life. May hope be contagious in each person. May our relationship with you be restored and strengthened as we come to you in faith, knowing you're a God who loves us so very, very much. I pray this in Jesus' name. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you, be gracious to you, lift up his countenance on you, and give you peace. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen and amen. Don't forget, you need to sign up for the banquet next Sunday night. It's going to be a great, fun time. Check that in the foyer. And I need the assistance of about three or four strong men. And you know what this is going to be. There's a Christmas tree that's up that east stairwell that needs to come in the foyer in the spot just out there. And so if you